0: welcome to the Not Another Education podcast, your go-to for great chat, awesome guests and some educational themes. While you're here, don't forget to follow us on Spotify so you don't miss a trick. Becky is joining me today. Becky and her dream team are behind the Twinkle Phonics program. She's going to be showing some ups and downs of creating the program as well as some of her big
1: plans for the future. <laughs> It's been good, really busy, (laughs) which, yeah, uh, the world of Twinkle Phonics seems to be permanently busy at the moment, but we've been doing some really exciting stuff. Yeah. It's an
0: exciting time for for the Phonics team, right?
1: It is, it is. It's really really exciting and we're getting to do lots of new and interesting things and next week we kind of kick off a load of training that we're doing in school so members of the team get to go into school
0: and
1: deliver that training which is really lovely yeah I mean
0: it it feels like with so many ex-teachers as well like it's just so you feel so like lucky to go back into a school don't you and kind of do some training are they meant to be hiring someone to yeah. specifically deliver that or is it is it your team who are doing that what's what's the idea
1: at the moment it's um my production team so writers and editors on the team and me as well Um, and then a few kind of wider um, editors and writers from across Twinkle who've also kind of volunteered to help with our capacity and also areas of the UK Um, but yeah we are recruiting some Twinkle schools trainers whose job will be um, specifically delivering the training helping kind of develop that training as well and doing some more training things in twinkle. So kind of more webinar content and adding to our online learning platform, which is kind of there already. But yeah, providing more content on there do you guys, it should be. Amazing. Do you guys
0: have an app yet? Or like what what's the deal with that? Like do you have something that can use? You...
1: We do have an app, but at the moment So, well, at the moment I manage an app, but the Twinkle Phonics suite doesn't quite align with the Twinkle Phonics program. Right, I see, I see. It's kind of, it's based on letters and sounds. So it's great for schools who kind of are still using letters and sounds and might continue to do that and um, for, you know, parents to dip in and out of and things. But it's not something that we kind of promote alongside the phonics scheme at the moment. But we are hoping that we're going to get an aligned app in the future, which would be amazing, amazing addition yeah. to yeah. that.
0: Absolutely, scheme. fingers crossed. It's so everything's so digitalized now, isn't it? It's just you know, it's so good, isn't it? If schools can pick up like an iPad and literally just like get the kids to do something and practice for five minutes or so. Or,
1: Definitely, yeah. and just those extra boat, you know, Homework. games that they yeah, can yeah, be yeah. using. Yeah. Um, parents love an app don't they you know we saw <laughs> massive spikes in um app downloads when um when the children when children were at home during covid yeah.
0: <laughs> it makes sense doesn't you it know. makes total sense
1: yeah and part of that is kind of it apps kind of help you and guide you through some of the learning don't they when you might not necessarily be expertise in it so yeah yeah i think there's a lot of potential in that area do you um
0: do you watch the apprentice I, don't I was going to say a couple of weeks uh, ago they made um, like a learning app, and it was teaching kids how to brush their teeth. It's like a reward ah. game, honestly, Becky. Just basically, if you watch the episode, it's everything not to do. So,
1: <laughs> <It's> so <bad. laughs> do you think app app creation is much more complicated than like? I think most people think you know you kind of go oh yeah we're making that you know everyone's got an app it's really easy and then like start the process and like oh no like actually there's there is an awful <laughs> lot of kind of intricate coding and yeah it's but it's quite easy to make a very bad app but actually making a really good user-friendly app yeah. is it takes a lot of Very clever people, lots of times. Yeah,
0: yeah, it it does. I mean, these apps were literally just like, they're like, oh, you can gain set. And I've worked in gaming before and I was like, no one would play this. No, because apparently you can get like kids' (laughs) toothbrushes that like also come with an app. And I'm like, well, it's like, I'm just going to be watching that every Ah, night. Like, I mean, we got a really like fun toothbrush for Charlie and then he's just like not interested in it. So it shows how short the attention span of kids is, like that of that age anyway. So it's just it's so hard isn't it? like you say creating an app that sustains and builds on learning as well as making them feel like they're also not learning and just kind of having yes. fun it's it's a huge challenge and in your team are the yeah. like are they, do you guys have coders in your production team and what, what does it look like?
1: No we don't so um, Twinkle kind of has a, a central team that kind of works on apps and so it would be accessing their, their time. So that is a bit of a balance that um, you've got to, you know, make justify why they should spend time on your app compared to like other people's apps and things, because there's, there's actually, there's some really amazing apps that um, Twinkle has, you know, from the kind of symbols app for um, picture communication exchange cards and um They've got like ones for helping with times tables and and things. There's there's some really there's some really fun ones out there. Like oh, and the AR one. Oh yeah, my the yeah. yeah D-
0: Darshna heads up that one. It is cool. I'm mm. sorry about this. I have I've let go. He's got my my boot. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have. I'm puppy sitting today. Um, and yeah, you? I'm puppy sitting. Do you like dogs?
1: Yes, we've got a dog. Um, she's currently, she she was asleep under my desk, um, but she's just gone into the um, bedroom and she asked for me, to, the curtains weren't open yet, so she came and got me and asked me to open the curtains so she can sit in the sun. Wow, side.
0: what dog have you got? <laughs>
1: she's a Romanian rescue oh, dog that's so um, cute So she's a yeah, real yeah. like mixed breed yeah so she's got kind of the coloring of kind of a German shepherd you kind of the, the um the black and the tan yeah but she kind of looks much more like a, a kind of terrier um with like the floppy ears and things but then she's also got this um like some whip it or lurch or something so she's really kind of like narrow and uh, the, her back and kind of that more kind of pointed face um, well, that,
0: well that's what I kind of imagine because I met someone on our walk last week and they had a Romanian rescue dog so I thought that was almost like a breed like a Romanian do you know what I mean like a Pomeranian
1: yeah they said they seem to, to kind see of them. yeah yeah they, they do there are often quite a lot of similarities in them because yeah they have this kind of mix of the the sheepdog and the terrier um that is the general mix of what remaining rescue dogs are and then you kind of get um a little bit variety if there's kind of been other do- other dogs that are kind of mixed in there so they're not normally quite as kind of petite as our dog sheba is into because she's got that kind of like lurcher in her um but the, yeah there's a lot of, there are quite a few dogs that look quite similar to her um in terms of that terrier and sheepdog,
0: I mean, I wouldn't even know how you. We've always had rescue dogs, but I don't even know how you go about rescuing a Romanian, like stray. How 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 do you like? Do they bring them over? Like how how does that work?
1: Yeah, so she was a um, she the rescue organization that we rescued her from are kind of based in Romania, so. And they do a lot of kind of rescuing of of puppies and things. And then, um, so we didn't meet her before we adopted her. We just kind of saw pictures and things and then had to go through the kind of selection process of them making sure that we were kind of suitable to adopt a Romanian rescue dog because it's not always the easiest thing. Um, They do have their kind of own challenges. Um, Yeah, and then... So that she was rescued at like five, six weeks. She was really, really tiny. Oh. Um, and then she had to wait in Romania in their kennels to have all of her kind of vaccinations and things. And she was also um, neutered before she kind of came over. Yeah, yeah. So she had to be old enough for that to happen. And then when she was four months, she, came, she um, they um, pop her on a van with other romanian rescue dogs and then they um spent three days traveling from romania to the uk and she got dropped off at our door
0: oh it's like a proper process then isn't it yeah oh nice nice Uh, and she's like she's settled in really well now
1: yes definitely she yeah yeah she she loves it here um yeah, she could be a little bit barky at times. Um, a <laughs> few, like, territorial issues. But, yeah. So sure,
0: sure. Well, that would that, really... be the terrier runner. That would be, like, a terrier strain. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and just, like, a little...
0: They have, like, small dog syndrome, don't they, where they think
1: they're, like, far bigger than what they are. She does, except she's that bit bigger and that bit louder, so it's that bit more piercing. Oh, no. That's <laughs> not good. <laughs> I mean, Clifford is... Come here. Don't eat that.
0: Come here. He's... He's had him. <laughs> He doesn't want to. He's camera shy now. He's like a like a fox red. So that's why you're called Clifford. Yeah. You're always getting up. To you and I'm not happy about what you're chewing under that desk. It doesn't look good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I love love animals. I could I could talk about animals all day. Everyone seems to have animals. That's are you in the pets group?
1: I think so. Yes. Yeah. There are a lot of pets at Twinkle. Uh, Hence,
0: Twinkle Pets. is like a whole thing about it, yes, isn't it?
1: it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: kind of mad, isn't it? But anyway, let, let's get on to the reason you're here, Becky. Um,
1: uh-huh.
0: But yeah, it's, it's hugely great to have you on the show. You are the center of this whirlwind that is Twinkle Phonics. I am, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I feel like a whirlwind <laughs> is a really good way to describe that because definitely it's something that you know I know you guys have been on such a process and such a journey with this and I know you and your team were immensely proud of it and I just want to give you the chance to show it off and also for those people who are wondering how do they do that a little peek behind the curtain maybe I think that'd be really really cool but let's start let, let's start with you Becky so you know a lot of people in Twinkle we're ex-teachers aren't we I'm an ex-teacher Yes. Are you, are you. Yes. I think you are right. Yes, I am. I
1: am. Yes. Yeah.
0: And uh, and what what were you kind of doing before before life at Twinkle?
1: Um. So before life at Twinkle, I was an early years teacher. So, um, I my last the last school that I worked in, I worked in nursery. Um, but I've also worked in reception and year one, and then kind of done supply across the other year groups. Um, and yeah I'm, I'm actually I'm from a long line of teachers my mum's um, a teacher oh and all of my grandparents were teachers so I always said I was never going to be a teacher <laughs> because of that. but it was that. something that was clearly in my blood yeah. and um, <laughs> I kind of did various volunteering with children and things and um, when I wasn't kind of working with children I, re- I really missed it and so yeah after doing my Degree at university was like I think teaching is the right place for me. So yeah, did my PGc in primary education, and yeah, and then yeah, it it wasn't necessarily deliberate to end up in early years, but it's where I ended up, and it's definitely where like it was my the place that I love to be. Oh yeah, um, that early development and like teaching those kind of foundational skills that kind of get built on. kind of throughout their learning journey but kind of yeah really introducing those fundamentals is what i really loved
0: i love that i mean i I kind of come from like teacher teacher stock but also not i guess because my sister um she she's a teacher and she's worked her way up to be head teacher and she's retiring to be an offset inspector um which ah. is weird because she's so nice. Not that Ofsted inspectors aren't nice, but <laughs> she's so, so nice. Um, so I'm hoping if she, I think she's due to come on the show actually when she starts. and she? She's going to give us like a little uh, little like- peep into Ofsted life. And, um, you know, why why so great? Grow- That'd be really interesting. Yeah, why so grumpy, Ofsted? Um, so yeah, it would be, be good. But yeah, my mom, she always wanted to be a teacher. My granddad told her that there's no money in it. This is like in the, the 60s, 70s. And obviously there still isn't any money in it. But, you know, it you it's kind of that person you are, isn't it? I feel like yeah, whoever's going into right. teaching for money is, is very disillusioned because you kind of have to be this this person who just wants the best for people you just have to be this like really lovely caring and kind person and also do like a million other things and be a great multitasker it's such a diverse role isn't it
1: um it is you have yeah you have to be an expert in everything you know particularly at primary school (laughs) there's such a range of things that you have to teach and yeah I think you know particularly in early years you're a surrogate parent oh for God, those yeah, years, yeah. Those, that time that they're at school and so yeah being kind of kind and caring and like you know, is a key part of that role
0: yeah I mean I, I, w- I always taught year six that was like where my main experience was and then I got put into year two Um, and it was a year one, year two class, um, they they combined it halfway through the year. It was like a number of different reasons why, but essentially I ended up phonics thrust upon me because we always did like support for spelling, which was like, you know, I before E except after C and this is what suffixes and prefixes look like and all this sort of stuff, which you're hoping by that point, you're not teaching such discreet phonics in that sense but it was like eye-opening to me like teaching phonics it was like such a different experience to what I'd ever had and when when I taught phonics there wasn't there wasn't anything that good or engaging out like I um the um read write ink stuff wasn't wasn't really around then and well if it was it wasn't any of the schools that I was in and um, any like the cute like little graphics or anything and, you know, basically things that kids like. So you were having to create your own. Um, yeah. So the idea that now this, there's like a whole offering for this at Twinkle is like insane, right? So I we I mean, we'll, we'll touch on it a little bit about what the actual program looks like. But with phonics in school at the moment, you, you were saying earlier about... You know, your team are going out to, to do some training, but I mean, I feel, I don't know about you, but I feel a little bit like if I had to teach phonics tomorrow in a school, I don't quite know what a classroom looks like post-pandemic, but also I've not taught in five years. So I'd find that quite quite an alien experience for me. But, I mean, you know, kind of what, what have your team found that, you know, what does it look like in schools? Is it is it still as fun? Is it still as bubbly? Like what what's the ideal?
1: I think um, phonics in schools at the moment is in a little bit of a state of transition and flux Um, because obviously, yeah, previously lots of schools were kind of doing their own thing using kind of letters and sounds as the base and they might have kind of developed their like own whole school planning or, you know, teachers might have just kind of been doing their own thing in classrooms. Some people are maybe have been using programs for a while but um, yeah, that, that's definitely not kind of what the majority of people have been doing Where and then this kind of last year or so, Ofsted and the Department for Education have kind of both released guidance saying kind of the best way to guarantee that phonics is being taught in the best way possible is through a program and then kind of open this validation process that Twinkle Phonics has been through um, and yeah, it's kind of shifted everybody, how everybody's kind of feeling about phonics and they are starting to look at programs much more. I know we had schools who were using Twinkle Phonics prior to this, um, but there weren't loads of schools who were necessarily using it all um in its entirety yeah, yeah. You know, people were kind of dipping in and out as they kind of needed specific lessons on specific sounds um and not a lot of people knew that twinkle phonics even existed really they knew that twinkle did phonics resources but not that they had this phonics program yeah like a whole dedicated um,
0: offering that's like multifaceted yes, exactly. yeah, yeah
1: yeah yeah um and so this has kind of massively increased the visibility of Twinkle Phonics, but also programs in general, you know, the, um, the validated list currently has around 20 schemes on it, but that's going to be growing because that validation process um, is um, still ongoing. And I think what's really nice about there being a variety of schemes is that you're getting all those things that a program offers in terms of kind of consistency of approach and kind of training and guidance so that you know exactly what to teach. But having a range of schemes on the market means that you can kind of look at which ones best suit your class and your children. And, you know, if they need something that maybe is a little bit more stripped back because, um, of kind of you know overstimulation issues and things you can kind of go for that or if you need something that does have the multi-sensory approach with the actions and the mnemonics and things then they're there um there's kind of a re- an offering of everything um and because people are competing with each other they're trying to make their stuff that little bit different and so yeah i think it's it's quite you know, it might be, uh, teachers might be feeling a little bit stressed about the idea of having to choose a program and making sure they get the right one. But I think also there's a lot of opportunity in that.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think as educators, we see it as very, I guess this is something that we have to, we have to do and like, let's make it the best we can make it. But ultimately the whole base of this is so kids can read and write. Like this is yes. this is like yeah, one yeah. of the exactly. most, if not the most important skill that kids need to have. Because without that, I mean, you know, you know what's funny? I remember having um, a traveller child in my year six who, like, literally could not could not read or write, like completely illiterate, which is heartbreaking in a way. But you know, let's work with it. And seeing him absorb phonics and just. It's so empowering, isn't it? When, especially for for teachers, teaching assistants, or parents, delivering phonics, you know, if if any parent is wondering why they should be doing it, well, it's so your child can read their favorite story. So your child can can understand the world around them. Surely, like that. That would be my concept of it. Like, what what about you guys? Is mm-hmm. is that similar to how you see it?
1: Yeah, I think empowering is a really great word to describe what phonics does for children because the systematic synthetic approach means that very, very quickly children have, you know, a few sounds that they can use and apply to words. Um, And so from like that first week of teaching, they, they can read words, you know, they might they might still be developing those kind of blending skills and things. so I need a l- little bit of support. They recognise the S at yeah. in yeah. Sat. Yeah. Um and so they don't have to wait weeks and weeks and weeks to be actually to be able to achieve something with the the knowledge and skills that they're they're gaining. They can do that right from the beginning. You know, and. <laughs> Even as adults we're coming across new words all the time, aren't we all, like, less familiar words and things, ones that maybe we've just heard rather than read. And, and we can still apply those um, phonic skills to those words. Um, if you've got that knowledge from you know being <laughs> what five years old, you're going to keep on using it throughout your life and therefore when you come across a new word you're not necessarily going to be daunted by it. Like, oh okay i i i know how to like approach this and have a go at at reading it and or spelling it and and so it's yeah definitely like empowerment is one of the key things kind of behind phonics it it's equ- it's equipping them to kind of tackle any words that they kind of face in their life
0: what what what's sort of the first step for parents to get their kids interesting and in interested rather in language so for me I don't know if this is right by the way because I only have one one three-year-old <laughs> um so this could be not right but any any book he wants to read I essentially just like let him I mean like women reason he's not gonna be reading like Lord of the Rings or anything <laughs> but you know if he wants to read something that I might have given like my year fours then I'm gonna I'm gonna read it to him as long as there's nothing too scary or anything mega inappropriate which I'd like to think there wouldn't be if I would have done it with year four you know I, I kind of let him so you know he asks about the words and he asks about you know what what does that say and you know he started saying like does that say my name and with first we thought that was quite cute we were like actually we should stop saying yes because his name begins with a c like charlie and that's that's not what that is that that's not the letter (laughs) so quickly we realized that's building like quite a, a bad misconception in his like phonetical journey so i mean how 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 do we start is that is that bad or like is that okay to do
1: No, I think definitely, like, exposure to books and reading is, like, one of the most important, like, things because, yeah, if children have already kind of developed that love of reading by being read to by their parents, then they're going to want to be able to do it too.
0: Sure, sure. Uh,
1: Yeah, and so kind of, you know yeah reading books as long as they're kind of appropriate any books to them you know if you if they ask a question if there's a way that that can kind of be answered with a book like that's great um and then in terms of kind of them starting to recognize the letters and things a great way of doing that is kind of the words that they so it's called environmental like text okay so um most children know the McDonald's sign says McDonald's. <laughs> um, they can't read that that says McDonald's, but they see that sign and they know that's McDonald's. and Can I have a happy meal? It's, is the of the question? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and like going around the shop, they probably, you know, the box of Cocoa Pops that says Cocoa Pops. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of exposing them to that and pointing out that and, you know, talking about those kind of things, it starts to, they start to associate like written text with meaning. Um, And that's kind of the start of that journey of knowing that words on a page kind of mean something. Um, Yeah. And yeah. Pointing out kind of, Yeah, if he's kind of recognized or he's starting to recognize that his name begins with a C, kind of recognizing that in other words, you know, that it might not be the same word, but that's that's the C that's in your name. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, That's a great way of kind of starting it. Um, Yeah, because I think parents – can kind of get a bit bogged down in making sure that they kind of teach children the alphabet and things and a lot of that will kind of be done by school it's it's really developing that love of reading and and text and you know like if they if you're writing a shopping list like they can write their own shopping list it might just be squiggles on a page but they're they're wanting to explore writing and those techniques and things um that then when they start to actually learn the letters and stuff. They're, they'll then want to kind of carry on that learning and practicing it um, because they've got that enthusiasm. Yeah,
0: I mean, that that's, that's the whole start of it, isn't it? You know, you hear so many kids, well, probably older, like I'd say year six plus saying, Why am I learning this? But phonics is not yeah. really something you can kind of put that too because it's so based in everything like you say from the environment you exist in to the books you read at night time it's not and you know some kids are right they don't like reading for whatever reason but it's it's making it about you know we, we we tend to do like a story at bedtime and there must be about six or seven that we end up reading and Sometimes you think, "Oh God, like so tired," like I just, but then I'm like, "No, no, I really should. I really should." So I always try my best if I can accommodate it. And I think that you know, go, go you know, making sure that you are funny you say the McDonald's thing because that actually happened us yesterday, because um, <laughs> he does.
1: It's always the one, always the one. The one that you don't want them to recognize.
0: stupid consumerism. (laughs) What have you done to my child? But yeah, it's like, okay, fine. You know, at least you know what an M looks like, be it golden or whatever. (laughs) But yeah, they're very clever, whoever came up with that. I watched the McDonald's film like ages ago. You know, like, I don't know what it's called. I can't really remember. But basically the story of McDonald's. Oh my, yes, my whole yeah. And, and, yeah, And yeah, I was just like, "God, what a terrible story!" But I really want a cheeseburger. <laughs> 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 so bad, isn't it? So so bad. Um, but yeah, let, let's go back to the Twinkle Phonics anyway. Not none of this McDonald's talk anymore. Um, what what? So if somebody is looking at essentially buying into the the whole program that they they they've picked the program to do. Twinkle Phonics. I mean, I know how awesome it is. I I, I really really like it, and you know, I, we we did a little bit in in my old job with Phonics, but they hadn't they hadn't quite got it there. And I really feel like Twinkle have have nailed it in that sense. I'm not being biased. I'm not in your team, so I, I, I no. so technically. but I I do really like it as a, as a a parent, and also if I was a teacher, I think it is really good. So, what what can what can people expect from it? Like, what what does the offering consist of, essentially?
1: So, um, Twinkle Phonics um, uses a story-based approach to kind of wrap its phonics lessons in. So, there's a, a lesson PowerPoint for each lesson, for level's two to six, and they they kind of revolve around the Twinkle Phonics family, who have Kit and Sam the twins at the heart of them. And Kit, and Kit and Sam go on kind of adventures in the kind of early levels it's um much more kind of familiar settings a lot of them are kind of based at home or at school um and then kind of later on they acquire some magic um objects so a magical watch a magic map and a magic book and they allow them to go on these amazing adventures um, where they can kind of go back in time they can go to different locations around the world they can go and visit storybook characters um oh my
0: god that sounds insane that sounds so cool to do and, that right
1: <laughs> yeah and so and um and like levels four to six as well the stories kind of go on for the whole week so you kind of get that um plot and also the children want to carry on the learning um each lesson and these stories are really brief they don't take up much time in the lesson they're kind of designed for the um they're just a kind of a couple of lines of text with a picture um a kind of a few slides which the kind of the teacher or whoever's delivering the phonics lesson kind of reads but they really provide this hook into the learning that then when they come to the teach um, section that you know, the story's been about an orange and then they're learning oh with an and there's an orange mnemonic, like a kind of picture to kind of prompt them to remind them that that the um the letter O makes the o oh sound yeah, yeah. and there's an there's an action of like squeezing an orange to again like that more physical thing. To, That children can kind of remember and so when they're kind of recapping the sounds they can squeeze the orange too like oh, oh, oh Um, so that yeah, it's that another thing that kind of helps commit it to their long term memory Um, there's a a letter formation rhyme to remind, which is linked to the mnemonic to kind of remind them of how to write it there's songs as well which are kind of optional but you can Again, that's a, you know, a musical element of reminding the children about that sound and kind of consolidating it in their brains. And then when you move into the, the practice activities, they, they're they all kind of around the story as well. So, you know, so um, in the the Caterpillar lesson, I think, the caterpillars have kind of eaten words into the leaves um and so you've got to like read the words um but they've left um and so it, it just adds that little bit of context and then the uh, the apply which is um either like reading or writing a caption or a sentence again that's kind of heavily linked and it's normally kind of discovering like um, a bit of prediction as well kind of oh, this has happened, you know, what do you think Sam said to dad about it? Like, And, you know, if it's writing, there kind of be a picture to prompt them. And it, there's also an example sentence, so that could be a dictate, you know, done as a dictation or the children could kind of create their own sentence from that picture prompt. Um, or if it's reading, they kind of read read the sentence and then the picture will appear to check that they've kind of read it for the meaning as well as decoding those words yeah yeah sure yeah um and so yeah it's all kind of this I think what that all means is that the children find it really exciting and engaging and want to do that phonics learning and carry and carry on lesson to lesson that they um Even though it follows a very repetitive structure, Um, there's that interest because there's a different story every time.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I kind of feel like I know the answer to this, but you remember when you were a teacher and you have like these phonics decodable books, but they're really dated, they're really old, and the stories are just like... No, they just don't really speak to children, like especially, no. you know, if if you if you imagine a child who is now in year one, they probably haven't been to the beach with granny because they've been locked up for the last two years of their life, you know, it, with the pandemic or whatever. And, you know, these books, I remember the last school I worked, at, it was a really small school and kind of going through. As as responsible for like the re, I was responsible for like reading. We split, we split literacy coordinator or English coordinator, and I was going through all these books and just like, oh my god, they're so old and so terrible (laughs) and so dull. And you know, having phonics that's rooted in a story that is exciting and engaging, it doesn't to me doesn't really matter if the like you say the process is necessarily repetitive because. By that point, the children are looking forward to the next story, the next little bit in 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 the series of these characters that they're now invested in, right? So, it 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 does kind of make for this almost like extra leg of literacy. And for me, I, I've the number of phonics people I've sort of spoken to, there's always this ongoing debate where the phonics should be just like taught completely discreetly as in right we're doing phonics for 20 minutes before English or should it be part of the English lesson do you do you do you have like a preference on what what should be done
1: I think at the moment um with the so uh, the reading a reading framework came out from the department for education last year um, which kind of talks about all aspects of reading and you know developing lifelong readers and children and I think in key stage one and um, early years kind of phonics needs to be interwoven with the rest of English and I think that's reflected in the amount of time yeah. that they've suggested spending on it that they've suggested spending an hour on phonics a day but that actually because of how much phonics is their English teaching at at that level that kind of makes sense because you want to give them opportunities to be practicing writing you know sentences with and multiple sentences with that as appropriate and you know reading slightly more extended texts and things and you don't have that time if your uh, phonics is 20 minutes. You can make sure that you are doing all of those skills, but you're only going to be able to read a few words, like one sentence, like they're going to write a, a couple of words, you know, write one, one sentence. And having that extra time allows that kind of extent, those extended practices to be able to happen.
0: Yeah, because I... I... When, when, when I've seen some of the words that like year six were having to learn as part of the statutory word list in the curriculum, there was very few opportunities for them to actually like use it in in their writing. And then they kind of forget about it until they get home and they practice it. And then there's like a spelling test. I used to be quite uncomfortable with that format. So having it integrated feels quite natural to me in a lot of ways. And I mean, kind of talking around the production of Twinkle Phonics, and and, I mean, congratulations again. I know I've said that about ten times to you, but congratulations again for it being DFE approved, which is just huge. What, what, what were sort of the highlights and challenges of you creating this of your team? It seems like it was quite, quite a process for you guys
1: has we started we started the process of creating twinkle phonics in 2017 um and i would say that you know while it's a complete scheme actually we're definitely we're nowhere near kind of finished creating the offering that we you know we want to have um ultimately um so it's it's definitely been a journey um i think particularly at the beginning because the the um, PowerPoints are story based. It required a lot of illustration time. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Um, and yeah, there was a there was one point in um there was one point in um when we were kind of before we were launching the scheme in 2018 that we had like, every Key Stage one illustrator in the company working on Twinkle Phonics. It was pretty intense. Oh wow! <laughs> and there was a lot less illustrators back then but still like it was a lot of people working to make it happen um but yeah there's been a lot of kind of research and time ty- time spent kind of working out the best practices like what we kind of we would taken lots of the really great things that were in letter the letters and sounds document that people loved but looked at where um maybe it could have given a bit more guidance and a bit more structure. I think particularly in when you get to phase five and phase six of letters and sounds, um, there's not that same like teaching progression past kind of teaching um, those alternative pronunciations kind of in those first four weeks of phase five. After that, it's very kind of vague guidance around Um, alternative pronunciations and spellings and things. And teachers and schools kind of have had to go off and do their own thing. And so we looked at that um, and have kind of broken it down so that there's a much, you know, every week has one or two sounds that are being introduced. And actually we've slowed down that progression. Um, So rather than keeping the same pace that you have in those earlier Um, Levels or phases where they're learning four sounds a week, we've slowed it down to learning like one or two sounds a week. And because at that point, because they're they're not being introduced to like the A sound for the first time, they already know an A as in the A I. Actually, they need to learn the A Y, the A split diagraph, and how do they know which one of those to use in which word? And so having that longer time spent on it you know really solidifying using it for reading really solidifying using it for writing how to know which words use which sound um children become much securer overall in those um we've kind of found and so yeah that is one of the key things that went into the development of that and then in a level six as well kind of providing some structure with the suffixes and things that are introduced there um, and the less kind of common spelling patterns and stuff yeah also one thing we did with um letters uh, with um so there's kind of all the tricky words that are in letters and sounds um looking at the 2014 curriculum and all the words that children are supposed to be able to kind of read and spell that don't follow those usual rules um within that document um, making sure that they're all included um in the twinkle Funnet scheme so that you're not having to use an, an additional kind of spelling program for that and um actually we had a little bit of space for some extra words. And so which words do we think would be helpful for children kind of expanding their vocabulary and um, writing more ambitious sentences and things that aren't necessarily decodable and kind of putting those words in there, things like delicious, like that. Yeah. They, they, if we teach that, then they can then apply it to their writing. Um, so, yeah I think that's kind of one of the key things that's kind of gone into that development and then I think as a team we've we're continually kind of reflecting on how things are going and you know when we, we've we've kind of made changes to the content since we first launched it and gone back and gone we think that this could be done even better that's kind of make some changes and tweaks to it to make sure that it's um the best it can be for teachers and children
0: sure i mean and and i mean it sounds yeah i mean we just just want to make people's lives easier at the end of the day and definitely kids enjoy it um or at least enable them and empower them like, like you were saying earlier i mean becky it's it's so awesome for you to join us on the show and just share all the amazing stuff your team are doing i mean uh, uh, like i said i'm not in your team and even i feel like i've got a bit of a flavour for the absolute um tenacity of you guys and how hard everyone's working just to bring this model into schools that you know essentially will will just make things a little bit easier for educators a little bit more enjoyable for children just a, a better all-round phonics experience right
1: yeah, definitely. And I have like the most amazing team who are like you know, a hundred and fifty percent dedicated to making this like the most effective for children and making the lives of teachers easier. Most of them are ex teachers yeah. and know all of those challenges and you know, draw upon all of that experience when they're creating the resources. Um, yeah, and they've done such an amazing job with all of the content that they've created that's the driving
0: factor isn't it that's the uh that's the drive behind uh, the twinkle machine that is twinkle phonics uh thank you so much becky thanks for listening to the show today see you soon bye